Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Does baptism save us? That's the question that we're asking on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith with my co-host Trevin Wax, and today we're looking at a passage that has directly shaped the way that churches preach and teach the gospel, the way that they do their Sunday mornings. There's a lot of things that this this goes into. Yep, that's right. So um, this chapter, 1 Peter 3, has quite a few controversial issues, actually. Remember we talked with um, Jen Wilkin early on in season one about women as the weaker vessel. Mm -hmm. Um, we had on Matt Emerson to, uh, last year he talked to us about Jesus proclaiming, uh, to the spirits in prison. So, uh, so now we're coming to this one. Uh, I'm just going to read the passage in context and we're going to discuss it. First Peter 3, 18 through 22 in the CSB. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirit in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him." So let's uh, take a look at a few views on this passage. Uh, just again, go back to the Matt Emerson episode to to hear what we've uh, already discussed on uh, Jesus proclaiming to the spirits in prison. Um, but now we're going to talk about that that line about baptism, which corresponds to this, that illustration about the ark, now saves you. Uh, obviously, we should acknowledge our view on this passage is going to be formed by how we view baptism in general. And there's really no way to avoid denominational and theological presuppositions and biases in these views. So I just think we need to put that on the table and recognize yeah. and recognize that. So uh, let's let's lay out the views. Okay. Uh, view number one, baptism is regenerative. So in other words, baptism uh, saves us. So this takes uh, form in a few different ways among Protestants. The Church of Christ, Christian Church's tradition, uh, practice credo-baptism, believer's baptism, and they argue that when a person is baptized, it's at that moment that God bestows on them the spiritual blessings of Christ's sacrifice. So baptism marks the point when God cleanses and forgives believers of their sins. So the passage when read plainly in this view, in English translations, they would basically say, look, this is obvious. It's read, read if you just read it, baptism now saves you. Pretty obvious, pretty clear. Uh, but even in the Greek, uh, they would make an argument that this view would argue that the Greek word for pledge, uh, you know, where it says baptism is a pledge of good conscience toward God, a parotema uh, was used to um, talk about like a contractual ratification, like, like saying that a contract has become valid. So in other words, baptism, uh, in the baptism, the pledge that you make to God is a type of contract between you and God, and baptism is the sign and sealed uh, version of that. So they also argue that baptism is a full body, complete act of submission on the part of the believer, which is much more significant than just a confession you know, with your lips, as, as uh, some other traditions teach. Uh, they also point to James 2, the passage about faith being proven by works, saying that baptism is the first work that accompanies faith. So you can't have one without the other. Can't separate faith and works. Baptism is a, is a type of work. And sometimes they point to Peter as well in Acts 2, because when he says repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. He's right. putting he's putting repentance and salvation and baptism all there kind of yep. clustered together. 
Yeah, and, and Lutherans also are going to agree with this interpretation at some point. Uh, basically, they're going to say, look, it's straightforward. Baptism saves you. Uh, Luther himself actually taught that baptism saves because God's word resides in the sacraments. So there's a whole another kind of sacramental view of it there. So it's not the water itself that saves for Lutherans, but rather uh, God's word and man's faith entering the water together, being joined together uh, in that act. Of course, the major difference, obviously, between Lutherans and the Church of Christ tradition is that Lutherans believe uh, in baptismal regeneration for infants. So when they when they sprinkle infants, they believe that it saves them. For Lutherans, uh, just like babies are brought into the human family imperfect but unconditionally loved, uh, they're going to say basically that you know God's creation, uh, if you come into God's creation as a fallen sinner, as a baby, you nonetheless can receive the saving love of God even if you haven't done anything, just like a human and child parent yes. relationship. And to mention both, interestingly enough, Church of Christ, Christian Church, and Lutherans also believe, though, in the possibility of apostasy and falling right. away from that that grace that's bestowed in, in baptism. Right. Okay, so view number two, uh, baptism as a symbol of salvation. So this, this is the view that's most common among Baptists. Um, in this view, baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. So the person is already saved by his or her confession of faith, and then baptism is a public declaration of that faith, and it also for 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 most churches it it, it marks the entrance into the community of faith. So yeah. it's it's sort of the welcoming of the church uh, of this of this believer. So um, proponents of this view would argue that the passage in First Peter three actually. You know, you you said on view one, they say, oh, it's just obvious. It says baptism saves you. Mm-hmm. Well, they would say, well, in First Peter 3, it's also clear that baptism doesn't save you in that sort of removing of dirt from the body in that in that sense. So it's not saving someone in a regenerative sense. Peter says that many were judged in Noah's day, but Noah and his family were saved because they obeyed God. In the same way, believers in Christ are spared from judgment through their faith in Christ's taking on the punishment they deserve. In this view, then, Peter's statement when he's saying that the water doesn't cleanse us, but is rather a pledge to God. That what that means is baptism is our pledge to God. That that uh, it's it's the the public statement of our belief in Christ's sacrifice for us. Yeah, yeah. So it is funny how both sides will say, "Look, it's obvious. Just read the passage." You know, right? And then neither uh, side completely is like literal in the right the word. I mean, literal such yeah. a. Well, again, you have to go back to all the theological presuppositions and the way that you look at other texts and all that kind of stuff. And if you're coming to this saying, oh, I don't have any biases or theological presuppositions. There's your first presupposition. You're probably the most biased person coming to the passage. (laughs) That's right. All right. So view number three, uh, baptism is a sacrament of the covenant. So some Baptists throughout history actually have held this view. A lot of early Baptists. Uh, they drew a lot of their their stuff from the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is a Reformed uh, side. Uh, but primarily, its proponents are actually found in that Reformed tradition, such as Presbyterianism. Uh, this view says that baptism is a means of grace, a mysterious union between human belief and divine grace. So uh, proponents of this view would admit that the Bible is somewhat ambiguous about the exact connection uh, between baptism and salvation. They would say, look, we're not saying it's salvific. We're not saying it's that clear of a connection. Uh, but they would, So they would not argue that baptism is regenerative, but they would say it's an act of grace, not an act of salvation. Uh, the Reformed churches that hold this view uh, often baptize infants as well, not because they believe it saves them like the Lutherans do, but because they see it uh, in the New Testament as a parallel of the circumcision in the Old Testament. Uh, so just as Hebrew boys were circumcised as a sign of their membership into the believing community, uh, so baptism of infants is a sign of their membership in the, to the believing community of the church. Uh, so they wouldn't say, oh, yeah, these babies who are circumcised believe in Yahweh. Same way we would say, well, obviously these ba- babies don't believe that, but they're brought into the community. Uh, so proponents of this view would argue that the first three, to, first uh, Peter 3 passage that we're talking about here uh, shows that baptism is obviously more than a symbol. Okay, so it says baptism saves us, obviously more than a symbol. There's something more going on there. Uh, 
so baptisms say, you know, Baptists say, just a symbol. They'd say, no, you got to say it's more than that. Uh, not that it's salvific, but it's more than that. Uh, so instead, here I'll quote Calvin, who they're, who they're going to, you know, love to quote and, and look to on this. Calvin says about this passage, what then ought we to do? Not to separate what has been joined together by the Lord. We ought to acknowledge in baptism a spiritual washing. We ought to embrace therein the testimony of the remission of sin, the testimony of the remission of sin, and the pledge of our renovation. And yet so as to, be, to leave Christ his own honor and also to the Holy Spirit, so that no part of our salvation should be transferred to the sign. In other words, that's ex- yeah, really out regeneration. Yeah. Yep. Uh, doubtless when Peter, having mentioned baptism, immediately made this exception, talking about the, it's a pledge of good conscience, right, right. makes that exception. It's almost like Peter says baptism saves us and goes, wait, 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 that's not exactly what I mean. That's, right. what, that's what he's saying here. Um, he says, so basically he's saying that that it's it, that Peter has sufficiently showed uh, that baptism is, is uh, only an outward act and that the outward sign of itself does not avail salvation. Therefore, it's an outward act. It's, a, it's some sort of a symbol. It's a powerful symbol, but it does not bring salvation. So in other words, baptism is an act of grace, both as a type of spiritual washing and a testimony to the salvation found in Christ's sacrifice. Uh, and by the way, a lot of Methodists take this view. So I started in a Methodist church, took a very similar view. Yeah, very kind of sacramental type view. Okay. Um so as we're we're putting this together, um, I I think to me when I'm looking at this, I I'm thinking context, context, context. Okay, so we we need to keep in mind the way that the floodwaters correspond to baptism because that's the imagery that Peter is drawing on here. Mm-hmm. The floodwaters cover the earth, and interestingly, the the water is what God used to bring death to the world. So it, it may seem odd to think of well of baptism that way but it, this is what peter this is at least part of what peter's driving at it represents death so you go under the water and i'm saying under the water cuz i'm a baptist but i also know the meaning of the greek word yeah. immerse right well the people so, <laughs> people know they were not sprinkled they were they, they, were they went under the water and you die <laughs> but because we are in with christ and and because we're with christ we're in christ we are raised with christ to newness of life so baptism saves because the resurrection of Jesus is what has yeah. saved us. So I'm going to quote uh, one of the chairman of the CSB um, uh, committee, Tom Schreiner, has written a, a good commentary on First Peter. And he says this. He says, The waters of baptism, like the waters of the flood, demonstrate that destruction is at hand. But believers are rescued from these waters in that they are baptized with Christ, who has also emerged from the waters of death through his resurrection. Just as Noah was delivered through the stormy waters of the flood— Believers have been saved through the stormy waters of baptism by virtue of Christ's triumph over death. The word now, in saying baptism now saves you, refers to the present eschatological age of fulfillment. With the coming of Jesus Christ, this age of salvation has arrived. So taking that, the context and Shriner's comments there, not surprisingly, I'm going to go, I'm going to be mainly in line with the second view, the view that Peter is connecting baptism to Jesus' resurrection. Baptism isn't about removing dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience. It's a, uh, uh, some commentaries say it's, a, it's an appeal, uh, a pledge of commitment, but also a request for God to forgive us and make us new and empower us to live faithfully for him. So um, I, I'm not going to ever, though, say baptism is just a symbol. Mm-hmm. I, I think Baptists who say that are overcorrecting from the regeneration view or the sacramental view or that there's no grace in baptism or that there's a, like that they're wanting to run so far from the means of grace view that they're to say just a symbol I think is is actually denigrating to what is happening here. When we are baptized, we are drawing near to God based on the work of Jesus who has been crucified and raised for us. We trust that God sees the pledge. We trust that God hears the appeal. Certainly there's a strengthening aspect to our faith mm-hmm. that comes through baptism that I think we should 
we should keep. But so I'm going to take a, a modified version of the second view. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be surprised that I'm also going to take a little bit of a nuanced view. Um, but not I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to rehash everything you said because I basically agree with everything you said. I agree with Dr. Schreiner on this. Um, but I do want to. I, I think maybe an, an additional thing to talk about here, at least for me, um, part part of how I view this view, uh, part of my presuppositions in my view of this, uh, come from my own denominational and theological background. So I was saved in a Southern Baptist church, not raised a Christian, was baptized by immersion when I was 14. Uh, went actually became a Methodist pastor first before I was ever in the Southern Baptist Convention. Was licensed uh, in a conservative Methodist denomination. Uh, so I started out kind of on the Methodist side, very sacramental, uh, infant baptism, kind of the whole thing. So I would be very, I would have been very much on uh, kind of the, the sacrament view, the third view that we talked about here. Uh, but I'll, actually, this passage is one of the things that brought me uh, into believing in basically being becoming a Baptist and viewing the church this way. And there were a couple of different things, but this was a big one because I remember distinctively reading through the NIV study Bible, the old 1984 NIV study Bible. And one of the great things about the study Bible is the footnotes will say, here's the four views on this disputed passage. They do it all the time. And I remember reading that one and going, holy cow, this is not as obvious as it seems. And after I did some study on it and read through it, actually ended up coming more, becoming a Baptist and saying, no, that's not what this is, this teaching that baptism doesn't save and all that. Anyway, all that to say, so that's my presupposition coming into it. Um, so I'm going to have a Baptist view of this in that way. But basically, uh, where I come down nuances is, is I agree with you. I think I don't want to go fully reformed or whatever and say we should baptize infants. Definitely not going to go that way with it. Uh, definitely not going to say that baptism saves in any way, shape, or form. But I do think uh, you're right. The overcorrection of saying that baptism is just a symbol, um, it's, it's not an empty sign. That's just sort of take it or leave it, right? That's that's how I don't I don't think we should view it that way. I think uh, Luke Stamps and Matt Emerson uh, say it that it, it's part of the matrix of salvation. It's sort of a baptism is always part of salvation when you read it uh, in Scripture. So obviously, I want to affirm that only profession of faith saves. Okay, if somebody were to profess faith, get in the car, drive home, get in a car wreck, and die, and never be baptized, I don't think they're not with God. You know, I don't think they're in heaven. I don't think have, they're going to. Have you heard that? Have I don't think that? they're not in heaven. I've had a, a Christian church pastor tell me the joke of being asked, you know, in the churches of Christ. So, you know, if someone trusts Christ, walk down the aisle, getting ready to get baptized and is about to walk into the water and has a heart attack and dies, do they go to heaven or hell? And they're like, well, it depends. Does he fall into the baptism water or <laughs> right. does he fall away from the, you know, right. but I mean, that, that joke is there. And even Church of Christ people will say that joke because they kind yeah. of know there's that. That's kind of what it is, what it is. But right? I, I think it's interesting that you talk about how baptism being a big deal. Um, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes Baptists will so want to um, not make baptism a big deal or Lord's Supper a big deal because of some of the abuses we've seen in, in church history that yeah. we we go to the other extreme. And for my my experience in Romania was baptism was huge. Uh, uh, it was a I mean a h- entire service dedicated to those who were being baptized. I mean songs after every baptism. I mean it was yeah. a massive celebration, a turning point in the person's life. Uh, they didn't say baptism saves, but the, it, I like you said the matrix of salvation. Like it's all kind of connect. Like they yeah. would definitely have 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 gone with that. And yeah. so I was challenged by Romanian brothers and sisters in the way they 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 treated baptism. It's amazing that the global church doesn't do everything exactly exactly like we like do. We do. No, it's, it's true. Uh, so let's go into the preach and teach a little bit here. Um, and and I'll I'll go first here because this sort of ties together what I was saying there, and then and then how I would preach and teach it. Um, 
you know, at first I do want to preach this in context, kind of like you said, let's think about the context. Let's talk about uh, the main point is that Jesus is the better Noah. Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who took our punishment. We're not going to be drowned in a flood ever again. That promise has been made. Uh, Christ is is drowned in the waters of God's wrath for us. I kind of go that direction with it. Uh, So in baptism, we're not merely saying, thanks, Jesus, you know, in front of a crowd of people. Uh, We're actually identifying with and unifying with the grace uh, that Jesus gives us through uh, the cross and resurrection. But But I do think we, we, we need to make sure that we talk about this a little bit when we're preaching and teaching and say, look, throughout the New Testament, baptism is always tied to salvation. Again, it's that matrix of salvation thing. I think about Philip and the eunuch. The eunuch, Philip, you know, shares the gospel with the eunuch. The eunuch is like, all right, I'm in, right? They, get, they, they go, uh, they start traveling. He walks by water and eunuch says, hey, what's stopping me from being baptized right now? And Philip's like, yeah, that's right. Let's get baptized. So in scripture, anytime that you see salvation, there's almost always a question of, I believe in Jesus. Okay, where's the water? Yes. And so we need to make sure that we're not overcorrecting and acting like baptism is sort of a take it or leave it type thing. I, I, even, even as far as being entrance into the church, I think obviously I... I believe in the church that I pastor at says that you have to be baptized to be a member of our church. But even that, like, let's not say that that's the only reason why you're baptized either. There's a, there is a means of grace. There's a sacramental, there's a unifying with Christ, uniting with Christ type idea here. I want to make sure that we don't overcorrect that either and really show people how important baptism is without exaggerating it, but without also underappreciating it. Yeah. So um, I'm going to, I'll be, I'll be similar in how I preach or teach this, but again, usually when I'm, I'm, I'm preaching through passages of scripture. So I'm, my big focus is I'm going to keep the main thing, the main thing. I'm going to focus on the overall point. Definitely. I'm going to make the connection to Noah because that's what Peter's doing. Yep. Um, but th- this, this is one of those places where I do think in a sermon, it's okay to have what I call like a doctrinal aside yeah. where you may for, and, and I do this sometimes when, when there's a, a particular controversy over something, uh, I, I did this recently preaching through the Beatitudes. We get to peacemaking. Uh, well, d- d- is the is the 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 conversation about where Jesus is talking about peacemaking that raises questions in the minds of people? Does that mean a Christian can't go to war, or what's the view of Christianity and yeah. you know being a soldier and things like? So that's an area where I may take a you know a, a good five minutes. And do an aside to say, because I think there are questions being raised in my audience. So what I want to do as a preacher is I want to be anticipating questions that are going to come up yep. from people in my audience. And it doesn't mean I'm going to let that drive the entire sermon, but sometimes you need to do a little bit of a an aside to say, okay, this may sound confusing to you because you may be wondering this or that. Let me explain how different Christians have dealt with this very briefly and then, and then kind of lay out or do a little doctrinal teaching before I get back to the to the main exposition and application of the of the sermon. So that that's how that's how I generally am going to handle something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I love how we've now done two episodes on this passage. So if you want to do doctrinal sides for all of this, you might want to pick your battles. That's right. Yeah, you which might be doctrinal, doing doctrinal side do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, the whole time. So, all right. Thanks, Trevin, as always. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com.